Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, theme here is awakening for prayer, and for with this, uh, I just want to challenge you with some things about there, there has to become a time in our lives where we actually become spiritually discontent. Uh, I think we, 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 we really need to have this at times. It's a place where you realize that things aren't the way they, they could be in your own life. They aren't the way they could be in the church. They aren't the way they could be in the world. And so it causes us to step back a little bit and, and come to a place where we recognize our need for this internal awakening that God wants to work inside of us. But these kind of things won't happen until we engage the one uh, who put this world together by the word of his mouth. And so we have to be able to engage our Lord and, uh, and understand that he is the one that makes things, makes things happen. Now, we can talk a little bit about satisfaction. And, and, you know, we know that the Apostle Paul talked about that and being content. But, but satisfaction can be a good thing for us. And, and we should have that in our lives. But it can, help, it can help us to accept life and to move on living in a challenging world. But on the other side of that, satisfaction can help us uh, or it can cause us uh, to simply say, this is the way life is and I can't do anything about it, so whatever. And so we have to be careful we don't go too far with that because it can turn us towards spiritual complacency. And that's not the place where we need to be. We don't want to be in that complacent place. And the last thing we need to do is be complacent uh, and and uh, in this hurting and a confused world because we have the opportunity to be the salt and light that Christ has called us to be as his people. We need to become a type of person who has found your bearings. You know what I mean? We, we need to be able to find our bearings. In other words, you need to know your directions, right? From, at least from here, if we look north, uh, uh, we, can, we know that if we go north, we're going to hit Nebraska. We know if we go south, we're going to hit Oklahoma. We know if we go east, we're going to hit Missouri. And if we go west, we're going to hit Colorado. So we kind of know that from this. We, if we have our bearings, we can, we can find those places based on that. So if you, if you want to go to the Omaha Zoo... Where are you going to go? You're going to, you're going to travel north, right? And, and you have to you run on the right highway or the roads that take you there, right? But if you want to run to Liberty, uh, Liberty uh, uh, Missouri, you're going to have to go east. You just have to be able to do that to get to the place where you're going. We have to keep our bearings about us. Uh, you know, being in the heartland, growing up here, it was, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we tend to find our way from one town to the, uh, another pretty easily because everything's kind of on a grid and, and it's not too hard to find. But, but, uh, and so I, I grew up with that in my mind and uh, in that lifestyle. And so when I moved to other places, I, especially those that had uh, mountains in them, I realized it didn't work that way. 
Now, some of the places I lived in, it did. It was just a grid, just like here. When I got down in Oklahoma and Texas, a lot of it, it was that way. But, but when you got around the mountains and stuff, you, you realized uh, you had to uh, shift the way you thought because you had to be able to move uh, uh, around these obstacles. And it wasn't usually going north or south, east or west. It was usually you're trying to say, okay, turn right at the mango tree or turn left at 7-Eleven. Because you're going down these winding roads, just kind of the way it is. And so you know how important it is to keep your bearings up for as a pilot. And if any of you have flying a, flown a plane, you realize you have to be able to keep your bearings. If not, some of those guys have ended up in the side of a mountain because they lost their bearings. And so you need to be able to find your spiritual bearings. And what this really means is ultimately you need to know which way points to God, and not just which way points to God, but you need to recognize which way points to God's way of living. And so those, those are important things for us. We live in this world that faces all kinds of confusion. It, it, it really isn't new, but it's simply been accentuated uh, and heightened, unlike what we've seen in the past decades. So, so we have to be careful as followers of Jesus that we don't take on the confusion of the world around us. And some may say, well, th this is just the way it is. It's the new understanding of things, so I have to accept it. Well, I don't know that you really have to do that. And sure, there's technology. That really isn't the problem. And we know there's things, you know, AI is coming out and all the things that come along with that. And you've been using it for a while. You just didn't know it. And so it's been there. And so really the issues with some of those kind of things come down to our ethics. And, and we want to make sure that our ethics stay intact. And, but we live in a sinful world, right, where there's a lot of people that want to choose. They're going to run the way they're going to run no matter what. But for us as followers of Jesus, we don't want to, want to run in those directions. Then you have those social, those social views which have confused so many. And these issues related to the heart, and they relate to the heart and behavior. And Jesus talks about that, and he talks about what we do and how we act, it comes from our heart. And so, so many, so many have twisted the truth, and even within churches have accepted so many lifestyles which are far from God's plan and should really cause us to become spiritually discontent. Uh, but but how how you can be spiritually uh, how can you be spiritually discontent if you don't know what the word of God says? And that that's one of the issues. That's kind of one of the problems with the, in this world that we live in, and even amongst those who call themselves Christians. And if you don't really have your bearings, you don't know which way really is north. And, and, and it's one of the reasons so many good people are sucked into our world's identity crises, uh, crises. We need to make sure that we pray for a real spiritual awakening. We live in a hurting world. We live in a hurting world, a confused world. And, and, and one of the Lord's prophets, his name Habakkuk, uh, I'm, I, yeah, that's just a wonderful name. I, I just, yeah, that's an old name. So we're glad we'll leave it there. But Maybe we should call him Habby. I don't know. But anyway, so this guy, Habakkuk, he, he writes this powerful prayer. And this is one of the things that he said to God. And it's in Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 2. And he says this. He says, Lord, I have heard your fame. I've heard of your fame. 
I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. What, what a powerful passage. What a, such a significant message. And this should really be our prayer today. It should be something that we're asking God for. This prophet is saying, I, I heard and read about the things that you've done. I know what you did when you pulled the people out of e Egypt and you brought our people out of there. And not only this, but you opened the door for us to enter this promised land. You know, he's the, one of the prophets of the Lord. He knows. And not only you opened this door for us to enter this land, but you established us as a people, even, even though we were kind of a mess at times. I'm sure that's, and I'm maybe taking a little liberty, but he knows that's what some of the issues were for them back then. Is it any different for us in our world today? I don't know that it is. And, and, some, and he, he would probably have said things like, sometimes we followed you and sometimes we didn't. And so many times you've helped us, even in spite of our actions, I, I simply stand back in him in awe of the good things that you have done for us. So you imagine what God has done for them as, as the Israelites, and God had done something very wonderful them, for them. But, but God, please don't leave your powerful acts in the past. In other words, we, we need you today. We don't need you just yesterday. History is a wonderful thing, and we can thank God for the things that he's done in the past. Yet we need God for today. We need to be able to live in this world today, and we need his help today. Repeat them in our day. He, he's, saying, he's saying, God, do it again, and he's asking for an awakening, asking God to work in his lifetime. And really, we need to be in that place where we're asking God to work in our lifetime among our family, among our friends, our neighbors, those that like us, those that don't like us, uh, and those that don't look like us because they, they got a scowl on their face, right? And those that smile like you because you guys got smiles on your faces. But, but, but we have to trust in the Lord and we have to ask God to repeat those things in our day. Maybe not the same things that he did back then in the same way, but because God, God speaks into our lives in the situations that we are in, right? He speaks into our lives. And the prophet, he is, he is spiritually discontent. He is far from being spiritually complacent like so many other people in his day and even in our, our day as well. And, and, and uh, he, he is he's saying we need, we need you in our lives today. And so Habakkuk is asking God to repeat his deeds in his time and to make himself known to everyone. He's like, God, let your deeds be made known. See, there's something about this kind of sold-out prayer to God. He listens. He listens. He, he tunes his ear towards us. He, he listens. It's like he kind of turns his head and, and listens to us. And, and when he listens, he is willing to start the ball rolling in our lives. He, he's willing to do it, and, and he's willing to start putting things together in his time and fashion. But the big thing is, is we have to make sure that we stay connected to him. Because if we stay disconnected to him, what, what, what is he really needing to do? Because we're staying on our own. We don't want to stay on our own. We want to stay connected to him so that God can work in our lives in his time and fashion. See, the big, the big thing is, is that we don't, we don't pray the prayer when, and, and then walk off 
and forget about it. We don't want to do that, right? We have to be careful that we don't just pray the prayer to God. Hey, God, help us in this. Walk off and do whatever. Uh, because, because that really isn't what he's asking for. We, we, then we end up just walking around like we were before we prayed the prayer and asked God to work in our lives. We need to continue with an open heart to God and be willing uh, to act according to his plan and not our own. So that means uh, it requires some change in our lives, right? It's not just a change that, that he wants to bring in our situation in our, or in our world, but there has to be a little bit of change in us. So remember what God's word says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. It says these things. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Uh, uh, or I think in some translations it says, or the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. So, so prayer is that place where you position yourself under the will of God. And sometimes people won't pray because they don't want to get in that place, Right? Isn't that true? There's sometimes, well, I don't want to pray because if I pray uh, and ask God to do something for me, then he's going to require something of me. Well, he just wants us to follow him, right? And so sometimes people will run away from that, but that's the last thing we want to do because we know God has something important for us in our lives. He has something good for us. His will is for good in us. And being spiritually discontent doesn't simply mean that we're always dissatisfied with everything around us. That's not really what we're talking about here. But, but being spiritually discontent can press us toward the action of prayer. Where we're asking God, hey, would you, would you intervene in this situation? Would you work in this situation? Would you touch this family member? Would you help them? Uh, would, you, would you work in my neighbor's life, God? We watched, our family watched a movie here a while back, uh, just a simple movie, and this girl wanted to uh, move to another flag football uh, team. So she wanted to, you guys remember that? She wants to move to this other flag football team because the coach really wasn't playing her at all. And maybe you saw the show, I don't know, but her mom told her, she said, I can talk with the coach and, and ask him to move for you. So, you know, and, and she's like, no. she said, no, no, I want to do it on my own. And so the girl goes up to the coach and says, hey, coach, can I, can I transfer to this other, other team? And he's like, you, that, you mean like a trade? You want me to trade you in flag football? He's like, we don't do that here, you know? And he's like, I'd have to talk to all the other coaches and try to figure this out. And so the girl is just frustrated. She's dejected. And so what does she do? She remembers what her mom had said to her, and she turns to her mom, and she said, uh, would you help me? Would you talk to him? And so she talks to the coach then, and they, they work it out, and he says yes, and so she goes to this other team. And, and so through the end of it, they end up having this successful season, and she, she gets to play, right? She gets to play instead of sitting on the bench, so to speak. And so, you know, this youth wasn't simply discontent, but she did something about it. And uh, when, she, when she couldn't do it on her own, she asked for help. And how does that really relate to us? But being spiritually discontent reminds us that when we see a spiritual uh, issue at hand, we need to ask God to help. In other words, we need to go to Him. If we're in need of Him working in our life in some way, then we need to talk to Him about it. Sometimes I think we just put that off at the last thing. 
Uh, it's just the last thing. But really, in our lives, we need to be able to look to him first thing. And we have to say, God, hey, hey, I need, I need your help in this. Uh, and maybe you think you know what to do, but that, that, sometimes that's not good enough, is it? We've all, we've all lived long enough to know that it's just not always good enough. You know what to do or somebody else does, but sometimes we have to get help. You, uh, uh, are you spiritually discontent enough to ask God? Are you discontent enough to be willing to ask Him? And some of you may say, well, you know what? Uh, I've asked Him about a 150,000 times. Well, if for those of you that have asked Him so much, don't give up. Don't give up. He still has your best interest in mind. He does care for you. He does care for your situation, and he won't ignore you. Now, there, there is something else I noticed here at the end of this verse. If you look at what the prophet says here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, uh, he says, Lord, I have heard, your, heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Uh, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. When, when, when you see that there, we, we understand that thundering wrath and judgment are not the total essence of who God is. It's just, it's not the thing. And I think so many times that's why people over the years have just walked away from Christianity because they think God is just, just, a, just a mean God. They, it's really, they have misunderstood God. And a lot of people have in times, but he's about, he is balanced. And, and, and so even though they're a part of who he is, and uh, even though wrath and judgment are a part of who he is, and, and reflect his attitudes towards those who break his covenant, we have to understand that he still loves us. So the, the, and so this wrath and the judgment's inevitable in the prophet's current context of a wicked nation. You've got to realize they, they're in a bad situation at this time uh, when, when uh, Habakkuk is living and he's praying this prayer. And so, we, we, so, he, so, is all, so also he's a God showing mercy as well. And I, thank, I am thankful that God is a God of mercy too. So in... In wrath, remember mercy. That's a big question or a big request uh, from the prophet to God. You see, ma many people misunderstand the Bible in so many ways, especially in some of the Old Testament books and, and the kings and such, and, uh, and how God had to deal with people at that time. And, and we thank God for his grace through Christ. And yet he still has to deal with those who are unjust, even in our world, and, and are mean. And sometimes they are actually evil. It's a reality and, and angry at everybody. But sometimes some who were destructive towards others. And Habakkuk knows, knows this. And this prophet says to God in so many words, he's like, uh, you are dealing with these unjust people, God, in your wrath. Please don't forget to give your mercy. And so the wrongs people do are very real in our world. But so is God's compassion and desire to forgive if they will do what's right. In other words, repent, gaining a renewed desire to acknowledge who God is. See, when we turn to him, it lets the flood of his mercy be unleashed in our lives. We all need that mercy unleashed in our lives, right? 
because we all have uh, uh, poor moments in our lives where, we, where we're, we're not following God's plan perfectly. And so we have to be careful that we put our trust and our faith in him. And so in verse 2, it serves as the message of the prophet's book and as a, as a prayer everyone today needs to make. It needs to be something that comes out of your life, recognizing that God is compassionate, but he's also just as well. And you know, Habakkuk, he wrestles with a difficult and profound question, and really it's not any different for people today, uh, but how can God be patient with evil in this world and yet still be holy? Because if he's holy, you know, he should, he should wipe that off, he should shut that down. And how can, uh, how do you, can he let things go on as they do? Well, God has given mankind their own choice. He's given us the opportunity to choose if we're going to do right or wrong, if we're going to follow him or not follow him. And so humanity isn't, we're not a bunch of AI robots, right? That's just not who we are, right? He gave us that opportunity. But there is truth which no person will get by with, and the prophet deals with it here. Habakkuk goes on to establish that God is sovereign and deals with the wicked in his own time and his own way. And I know in our world, because they don't like the word judgment or judge or something like that, that it's caused people to really become adverse to those. But the fact is, as you lose and you misunderstand the truths of the gospel and the word of God, and so you understand that God will take care of things. God will take care. It doesn't mean he's mean. He's not wicked. He's, he is loving and he's caring and he wants to help people and he wants to guide them back to himself. And if you look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, it, sa it says this. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and will expose the motives of the heart. That's a good thing, right? He's going to say, hey, so if we had the bad motives, if our motives were bad out of this deal, God says, I can see right through you, buddy. And he can say, I can see those things. And then, it, then after that, he says, at that time, each will receive their praise from God. Or whatever, right? God will deal with the unjust in his way and his time. I'm thankful we don't have to be the judge of that. But, but this doesn't mean we don't pray and, and this doesn't mean we, we don't pray and ignore it. That's fatalistic. We just say, we just go on with it. It's like whatever. Uh, no, that, that's really the opposite. We don't ignore it, but we take it to the Lord in prayer. And that is what's so important for us. Because sometimes, I think... Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just us in the United States because wherever I've ministered or pastored, it seems like very similar. But, but it's like we just take it as it is and we leave it at that. Well, whatever, we can't do anything about it, so we move on. And, and so we have to be careful that we don't do that, but that we take it to God and say, God, we ask you to work in this situation. He loves us. He cares for us. So he wants to work in our lives. And maybe it won't go the exact way we expect, but we do have to trust him and, and recognize that he's the Lord and he cares for us and he has your best interests in mind. So we, we see here that several things happening, but uh, we, we don't want to ignore it, but take it to the Lord. And that's what the prophet did. And, and he was like, God, you did such powerful things for your people back then. Please do it for us again today. 
I think we need to focus on that a little bit in our lives and say, God, do, do some of these things for us today. Why, why can we pray this way? Why can we? Because he listens. Because he hears us, he's willing to listen to us. And the problem arises when we get discouraged at times, right? Because people can get discouraged. That's just the way it is. But you have to remind yourselves of what the book of Hebrews says. Because Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 6, these words. And he says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So not only is God available, but he answers or he rewards when we earnestly seek him out. When we say, God, hey, I want you working in my life. I I ask you to help me. And no matter how small it is, it's that open door for God to work in us. That's kind of it's kind of what the uh, prophet Habakkuk was doing there, uh, and, and in fact, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verses one and two, those first verses in the NIV, it says, "Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see." This is what the ancients were commended for, uh, and really, you can say it this way: that that that's why Habakkuk was commended. He would have been ed- uh, he would have been uh, uh, he would have been commended for it as well because he was a man of faith and he was willing to ask God to work. Uh, and uh, you aren't any different. You're not any different. I'm not any different. Uh, and I want to challenge you to be like the prophet. You say, well, I'm not a prophet like that. I can't be like, I don't care. Be like him. Learn to take your, take your thanks to the Lord. Learn to bring them to him and allow him to work in your behalf. And then be willing to allow him to answer the prayer in the way he wants to pray. He wants to answer, right? And that's part of putting our will on the throne uh, or on the altar before him and saying, God, here I am. I'm going to trust you to do it your way. I'm going to put my trust and my faith in you. See, you know, a prayer is not a wishful exercise. It's an act of faith. We need need to be able to get that out of the way, right? Because that's pretty important. Prayer is not some wishful exercise that we have, but it's actually, it is an act of faith. And so think about it this way, to kind of illustrate this. So you you go into your grocery store, right? The the one in your neighborhood, you get into that grocery store and you're you're, you're going in and you get onto the the deli meat aisle, right? And so you you know, you're you're walking down the deli meat aisle and so you, you see your favorite deli meat. It's like the best. You, you love it. You know, you know, it's like bologna. So, I know, I know. But, but anyway, your favorite deli meat. And, and you get there and you see it and you stop and you start looking at it. And, uh, and you're like, man, I would, I just love to have some of that. And, and, and you know, you have the money in your pockets, you're all good and all that, but you're just like, yeah, I would love to have that. And so then you, then you just keep walking and then, then you come back and you look at it and like, I would love to have some of that. Well, you do have to do something if you want it, right? You do have to actually put your hand out there and grab a hold of that favorite deli meat, pick it up and put it in your cart and walk away. And so that, that's part of the act of faith, right? You're actually doing, I know it's simple, but that's really part of it. So it's not wishful thinking at that point. It's wishful really in some sense until you get up to the, to the, uh, to the uh, cash register and take care of business. And then you walk out the door with that deli meat and you're excited. You're going to go make a sandwich. 
Some of you are hungry right now. But anyway, that's okay. You'll get over it. <laughs> so you didn't just wish it was yours. I'm afraid that's what we do at times in our prayer. We're like, God, I, I, I wish this was ours. I, I wish you would do this. But no, what, what about praying and asking God for? We need to ask him, but you know, you have to take action. Faith is taking action on what you believe. Wishing will do very little. Showing faith towards God is when we step out, take action by praying in faith. And then we have to leave the results up to God because ultimately it's his choice, right? But we can talk to him and ask him. And what do we base that on? We base it on the scripture, right? We have to know the promises, and that's what's so important for us, is getting in the word of God and reading what God's word says, and then we can understand better what's his will, right? But if we don't ever crack the book, if we don't listen to it, if we don't allow it to speak into our hearts, how are we going to be able to follow through and see God do good things? We have to believe that he is, and he rewards our faith. That's what Hebrews says. So you know, it was Habakkuk who said in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 4, he said, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or by faith. So uh, the righteous will live by faith. And so in fact, the apostle Paul quotes this passage uh, over in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And the apostle Paul uh, writes this and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. And he quotes him here, the righteous will live by faith. See, that passage has really affected so many people. It has affected so many, and faith has to do with our action. It has to do with our faith, our trust, right? But it has to do with our action. It's not just simply wishing that God will do something. And when you become spiritually discontent, it will cause you to step out in faith. Trusting and asking God for a miracle in your life, in the life of a friend, or maybe in the life of somebody who doesn't like you. But you want to pray for them that God will work in their lives. And finally, we, we, uh, we see this in the prophet's prayer life. He, he had patient faith for God's action. So he had this patient faith that was working in his life. And we see it here in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16 to, to 19. And this is what he writes. He said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered up the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Something big is coming down the pike for them, almost not unlike today. And he says, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us because they were in a bad situation back then. I don't remember the year, is somewhere around 600 B.C. or so. And then he says in verse 17, he says, though the, the fig tree does not bud and, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. And then he said, says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Then in verse 19, he says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the feet of, of a deer and enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk and the remainder of God's people, they were under distress, they were under duress, they were under this pressure that they were going to be overran. But in the middle of it, the prophet says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He's going to wait on God and his working on his side. And he's, he's saying, God, I'm trusting you to shut them down. I'm trusting you to shut him down. And then he, and then he says in verse 17, words which show a deep faith uh, in his life, which will not give up or give in to doubt. And he's, he, he's saying, God, if every last bite of food is gone, if all the sheep and all the cattle that we have that give us milk and provide us with meat, if all those things are gone, then, I, then I'm still going to trust you. I, I'm still going to look to you. I've still got you. And if I have you, I have everything I need. When will we get that? When will we really allow that to sink into our hearts? And in verse 18, he even raises this, his level of his prayer, and he says this, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Friend, that, that, that is faith in adversity, right? They were fixing to face some very tough stuff. And that, that's where they were. But, but more, more so, it's patient faith. It's faith which trusts that God will act in his own time, in his own way. And, you know, we're talking, this is prayer and fasting week. And so we have to have these kind of things in mind if we're really going to seek the face of the Lord. And if we're going to have to ask him to work in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in, in our nation, in our world. You know, like many people today, we can, we can uh, say, my, my job sustains me, or my investments sustain me, or the eggs or my chickens sustain me, or you, you can go on and you can name all these little things and however you find a sustenance. And, but, but the prophet goes past all this and shows even if all is lost, he will still rejoice. Why? Because he, he realizes my help comes from the Lord, the maker in heaven of the heaven and earth. And that's that the psalmist says that over in Psalm 121, verse 12. We used to sing, we used to sing that in churches. And, but, but, but we know our help comes from the Lord. And look at what the prophet says, though, in verse 19. What a powerful, what a powerful uh, visual. He says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He knows that, he, in other words, he knows that no matter what happens, God has him in his hand and the Lord is the one who sustains him. He gives this picture of a deer treading on the heights. And if you know what kind of what he's talking about, a good picture of, is the goats that you see sometimes on TV where they walk on the side of a mountain and you look at you see a little video maybe on Facebook and, and the wolves are coming after the, the deer or the goat and they are, there they are on the side of the mountain and you say, how in the world can they get there? But, but, but the prophet is saying, and that's what the Lord does for us is he helps us to get into those places and he protects us and he guides us. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that, friends. 
you know, this, as we wrap up this morning and this week of prayer, let your spiritual discontent rise to the surface and ask God for an awakening like never before. As the prophet said, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Be merciful, God. Even though sometimes we're, we're kind of messed up and we do our own thing, God. But, but work in our lives. See, we, we live in a troubling time. And yet we, we serve the one who can stand over trouble. One who can provide mercy to us in our lives because we need mercy in our lives. He is faithful, amen? You serve God who sees and cares for you, who's willing to act if only you will humble yourself, you humble your heart and ask him for help. As Hebrews says there, he says, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Trust God and earn, earnestly seek Him. Don't just wish, oh God, I, I just wish you would do this, God. But seek God. Ask Him to work. What are you discontent about? What are you spiritually discontent about? And so if, you, if you really aren't spiritually discontent about our world today, uh, Maybe you need to be challenged by the Holy Spirit of God to stir your heart and to recognize the world that we're in and where we're at. Let Him speak into your life and remind you of what His will is for the lost and hurting world around us. Find your spiritual bearings because we know what God's Word says. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, we know that's what God desires. Will everybody do it? No, but we can sure pray for it. And we can even act on that in faith by sharing the love of Christ with others around us. Find your spiritual bearings. Be willing to be spiritually discontent. Not just to be grumpy all the time, right? Not that. That's not what we're talking about. But to be discontent enough that you do something about it and say, God, would you work in this situation? Let's pray. Father, we, we entrust ourselves to you this morning. And Father, we ask you just to meet us here in this place. Help us, Father God, to be able to recognize the situation that we are all in when it comes to this world. Father, help us to be the type of people who reach out to you and ask you to intervene. Help us to be the type of people who pray and ask you to transform people's lives who are hurting and broken and sick and need your touch. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, to do your work in us. We ask you, God, to do your work through each and every one of us, Lord. God, help us to recognize where we're at. Father, we depend on you. And maybe some of you here this morning say, you know what? I've got some discontent things in my life, some things that make me discontent, and I, I'm going to ask God to do something today. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning in this place and say, I'm going to ask God to do this in my life. Now I see your hands. Father, I'm asking you to do it. 
I'm asking you, Father God, to bring healing. I'm asking you to bring hope. I'm asking you to bring deliverance. I'm asking you to bring freedom. I'm asking you, Father, as those have lifted their hands up to you, Father God, that you will do a work in them, that you will start something in them and through them, Father God, that they haven't seen for some time, God. Father, I pray that you would work in each and every one of us. We are your people, Lord. We're the sheep in your pasture. And Father God, we pray that you would do your work in us and through us, Lord. Father, we pray for our broken world, Lord. We pray for our world, Father God, that is hurting, our neighbors that are hurting, Father God, for those that don't know which way is up. Father, they don't know their left hand from their right hand at times. They, they, may, they may be well-educated. They may be smart as a whip. But, Father God, they don't know you and they need you. And we pray that you would put your hands on their lives and draw them to yourself. Father God, we pray for those who think they have it all together. They may, they may feel like that on the outside, but yet inside you know they're breaking apart. And we pray for them that you would bring healing and hope to them. Father God, we pray for those, Father God, who have walked away from life as they know it and chose to just go their own way. Father, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and reveal yourself to them. Because, Father, we know that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God who draws us to yourself. And, Father, we pray that you would do your work in each one. Lord, we trust you this morning. And we offer ourselves to you. In Jesus' name.